Welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to the 42nd edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. Firstly, I want to thank you to, to everybody who subscribed to the podcast. It's available on all the major networks. We've now got, had over 32,000 downloads, so thank you for your continued support. We are joined today by absolute football royalty. Two spells at the Wolves between 1970-71 and 75-77. 93 appearances. 81 of those are starts. 39 goals. That's, I mean, that's a great goal-scoring record of one in two. Bobby Gould. Bobby, how are you? Um, I'm very well, thank you, at this unusual time of the world rolling round. We're all rolling with it. Oh. Uh, I just wish everybody out there that they're safe and sound. Oh, yes, Bobby. I mean, that's that's very wise words. I mean, it's been a, a completely unprecedented time. It's been good for me, really, because I've been able to get all the legends such as yourself on the podcast because everybody's been locked down and, and people's lives have changed. So it's actually been good for podcasts. Um, now, Bobby, we, 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 you know, like I said, football royalty, we've got such a lot to speak about today. But firstly, uh, obviously... Coventry born, uh, played for your hometown club. How did you get into football and how did you get spotted? Um, how did I get spotted? That's a, that's a good one, that is. Um, I was in a situation of uh, playing at school for... Uh, school in Coventry with Stoke Council Juniors. Um, we used to walk one mile on a Monday afternoon um, with our masters, uh, Mr Bell and Mr Simpson. And uh, we were educated from, like, eight and nine years of age I started to play yeah I love I love scoring goals I've got to say that I started at a young age and I had a brother Trevor our kid was three years younger than me and uh, we used to play in our back garden in 40 Fortnall Avenue and we used to have a goal that might it was a, on, attached to a garage and every time either of us scored a goal the, the guttering came down and our dad came jumping out you little so-and-so you <laughs> can't keep breaking the everything on the garage and all that but we endeavoured to do and uh, we, we did that in great style in our in our own careers Trevor went on to play for England schoolboys and wow. yours truly um, never actually got a, a cap anywhere but uh, had a wonderful career well obviously you started at your hometown club five years there then in 1968 oh sorry uh, yeah that, just to rewind how did you actually get spotted to, to, to go to Coventry Bobby um, so I, I I played for Coventry School Boys. There was yep. a manager called Jimmy, Jimmy uh, Billy Frift. I went up to Coventry City. I played in the B team, um, and after about six or eight weeks, he said, um, "Bobby says we don't think you're going to be good enough, and no. uh, we advise you to go and get yourself a job." So I spent um, three quarters of an hour walking around Highfield Road crying. Ronnie Reese, um, a wonderful, wonderful Welsh lad who was who went on to have a wonderful career, put his arm around me and he said, Gould, he says, don't you worry, you'll be back. Um, I left Coventry City. I went down to the job job exchange. They gave me a job of being a, an apprentice to heating and ventilating engineer. Yeah. Uh, and and then I I had a couple. I had a year or so with. Um, Daly and Sons in Coventry. Um, my, my tutor was brilliant with me, 
Bill, uh, Carter, Bill Carter, we had a great time. And then um, Billy Frith got the sack at Coventry. A certain gentleman with a beard got the job, and his name was uh, Mr. Jimmy Hill. Jimmy Hill. Derek Robbins was the chairman, um, appointed him as manager. Yeah. Uh, he, he then invited um, all the um, local lads back that had been under Billy Frith. And uh, I went out to have a trial at Shilton on the east side of um, Coventry. Yeah. And Jimmy Hill saw me on a Sunday morning and he said to me, he says, um, you've done really well, we'd like you to sign. I said, no, I'm not going to sign. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming back this afternoon. He said, will you come back next Sunday? I said, yeah, I'll come back next Sunday. So uh, I passed the week, came back the next Sunday, scored again in, at Shilton and, and played really well. And he Jimmy will come up to me, and I'm, I'm a 15-stroke, 16-year-old lad, and he said, before you sign, he says, I'd like to know why you wouldn't come. I said, well, it's like this, Mr. Hill. I says, I work five and a half days a week. I play on a Saturday afternoon, and on a Sunday, uh, I go to see my father in Coventry and Warwickshire Hospital um, because at this moment in time, he's, he's, he's lost his eyesight forever. His retinas have collapsed, and nobody, nobody but nobody, Mr. Hill, is going to stop me from seeing my dad. Right. And he, he looked at me and he winked. He said, me and you are going to get on great. And that was like, we're talking like 1966 and then 50, 65. And, uh, you know, I, I played 80 games for Coventry in the end and I scored 40 goals. We had a wonderful, wonderful relationship. I've got to say that. Wow. Um, and then you got a big move to Arsenal, um, you know, in 1968. And Ar I mean, look, Coventry, they're a huge club, but, but Arsenal, you know, w w was that a big move for you, such a young man at the time and leaving your hometown club? Was it a big move for you, Bobby? Young, <laughs> young man. I've, I've been married. I just got married. You've been out. Well, actually, Bobby. I, I, got, ma I got married in... Yeah, in 1967, I married a young lady called Marjorie Joan Gould. And 53 years I later, Jason, we're still together. 53 years. I mean, that's it. I was going to ask you that question at the end. What is the secret? It's probably selective hearing, but to be married for 53 years is incredible. You must have got married when you was about seven, Bobby. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a four-letter word, and it's called L-O-V-E. Brilliant. Well, that's, that's good to hear, Bobby. So, as a married man, you went to London, and... Uh... Yeah. We're, so, we're driving into London, she's pregnant, and we've got a Spitfire, and we're driving down Wandsworth, where all, all the prisons are, the ladies' prisons are, in and around Highbury. And as I'm driving in... Tears are rolling down her cheek, and you have to remember that Marjorie was brought up in Borsal Common, and it was all all trees and lovely coloured lanes. And I'm taking her dad to Wandsworth, to Highbury, to sign, you know, for for ninety thousand pounds. But the the thing that stopped her crying was that said, well, we actually got five percent of a transfer, which was four and a half thousand pounds. Wow! In 1968. Yeah, yeah, six, six, yeah, sixty-eight. No, I'm sixty-eight. Yeah. I mean that that that. To be fair, I mean, look, that that's that's big money, then, isn't it, Bobby? Well, we bought um, a house in New Barnet. Um, I bought a house, and my my uh, and Arsenal gave me the eight and a half thousand pounds to buy the house. So I I then had to repay them uh, like that with, with a mortgage, and that's that's how it used to work in those days. And wow. <laughs> We saw, we we had we bought the house for eight thousand two hundred and fifty pound, and it was uh, it was a, it was a lovely lovely house. We enjoyed it there. 
my, be, my best mate came come out of this case was Bob Bob Wilson. Him Bob and his, Wilson, him, yeah. Yeah, him and his wife Megs were, were fantastic. We we've still got a wonderful, wonderful relationship to this day. Wow, because actually I've got a copy of your book in front of me, twenty four karat gold, and uh, Bob Wilson wrote the foreword. So did you have a good relationship with 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 Bob then, Bobby? Oh yeah, we it, well he was getting into the first team at the time. So Jimmy Fennell was the goalkeeper when I first went there, and Willow was in the reserves, and he was actually graduated to become a school teacher. And I'm not I'm not sure whether any of the listeners can remember back these schoolmasters who used to have leather on their elbows on these on the jackets, and yeah. that's, that's how I can always remember Bob Wilson walking into Highbury with a jacket and an elbow with leather on. And I used to, all the lads used to take the Michael out of him, you know, being a school teacher and then being a professional footballer as well. But he had a marvellous career as well. And I, I think the thing that w- w- made both of us and brought, drew both of us together was that, was that desire. You know, we're both, we're both not really going to go into professional football and we, we had this opportunity and, and, and uh, you know, we weren't going to give it away. Yeah, and like him coming through the ranks at Arsenal and me be, being paid all that money, you know. But... Uh, there we are. We we both ended up at Arsenal. That friendship still lasts till this this moment. Oh, Bobby, that that's lovely. Then the biggest move of them all come in 1970. You joined the Mighty Wolves for fifty five thousand pounds. So you took Marjorie from from Bolton Common to, to to London, and then you brought her to Sunny Wolverhampton. Um, no, 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 no. We didn't bring her to Sunny Wolverhampton. I tried to buy Ronnie Allen's house. Right. Because I t- but I could I uh, I couldn't I couldn't um, um, really afford it. So I said we went then to look in Sutton Coalfield, and we bought a certain, our house in Sutton Coalfield, little a lo- lovely detached house. Because yeah. our parents, my parents lived in Coventry, and Margie's mum and dad lived at Borsal Common, so that was closer. And then we, they were just opening for the all the older people listening to this. They were just opening the motorway coming yeah. through Birmingham and everything. So. Well, that was at the time when, so we used to go home and see our, our, uh, our mums and dads and the grandchildren as well. By that time, Jason, we had produced two sons, Richard was the youngest and Jonathan was the oldest. Wow, wow. i tell you what, you, you didn't mess about, Bobby. Flipping heck. So, <laughs> so what's very interesting about you, Bobby, is the fact that, I know we spoke about this yesterday, you've got an office in your loft. Um, I believe, and you've got every statistic and bit of data from all the games you played. I mean, that's amazing. It is. Um, I've, I've got it's a scrapbook. It's a lovely, I've got a lovely scrapbook, and I kept that going. And I've got, uh, and then I the, the games book. I've just put a few months ago because I uh, I do believe in fate. And my last goal I scored was in my career was against Northampton, and my brother played for Northampton. My last league game I played for was at Halifax. Again, it was against Halifax yeah. when I was at Hereford. And my son Jonathan went on to play for for, for Halifax. Wow! They were and there were teardrops on a wonderful, wonderful playing career, and and that's what happened to him. And I was so so fortunate. Oh, Bobby, listen, you you did have a fantastic career. So uh, at Wolves, it was. Bill McGarry that signed you. Um, uh, I mean, before we come to Bill, what an int- a bit of interest is the fact that I asked you who you supported growing up, um, because there's obviously a link to Wolves, isn't there, Bobby? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, you used to obviously come down, didn't you? I mean, tell the story. 
Yeah, we, we, we I came down and uh, to, to London, uh, from London to, to Wolverhampton, and I think he'd made a lot of phone calls. And what he had, he had a, he had um, a, a good friend called Miller who was wrote for the Daily Mirror. And at that time, the, the managers and uh, the local local newspapers and, and the national newspapers always had good contacts. And I went, I went up to have a chat with um, they, uh, with Bill McGarry, yeah. and I walked into the office, and he sat me down, and he said, "What? What?" I said, "Why are you buying me?" He says, "Well, uh, you know, you've, you've got your goal scoring records, everything was good, you know." And he says, "I just think you, you'd you'd fit you'd fit in here." I said, "Oh, that's super." Anyway, I said, "One thing," I said. Do you play defensive football? He said, why? I said, well, unfortunately for me, over the last couple of years, Don Howe converted Arsenal into pressing and pressing. You know, when, and the defenders got the ball, we'd have to press and press. And I, and I was 21, 22, Jason. I hadn't still finally finished growing yeah. in, in, in my body if you understand, and, yeah. and, and physically. And I found it really difficult, you know, and, and that's why my, my goals at Arsenal record was really poor, really. 18 in 24, in 54, something like that. That ain't and, bad. I, 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 I put it down, I put it actually down to, the, you know, the, the, the uh, hustling and everything else. Yeah. So he says, come on, let's go walk on Molly. Went out to Molly, and, uh, you know, we came out of the little... Uh, where the dugout was, he says, come on, we'll go on the pitch. So we went to the middle of the pitch, he said, now look, when we're attacking that bay, he says, I want you to be in their half. I says, oh, that's lovely. And he says, and I said to him, I said, he said to me, he says, never, ever, ever come back into our defensive half. He says, if you do, I'm going to kick your backside for you. <laughs> I says, I said, Gaffer, I said, that is music to my ears. Yeah. And that's where, that's where all the goals, you know, all the goals came for. Uh, like when I was at Coventry, I had a great ratio there, but I was always in the six-yard six box. And I, and I sniffed them out, you know, and I, I could live off Derek Duga, I could live off Ewing Curran, I could live off uh, Jimmy McCallie or Kenny Hibbert, Dave Wagsaw, you name it. And with Dugan, Dugan knocking them down, well, it was, it was, it was picking cherries. Unfortunately, there was a sod called John Richards coming through the ranks, so nobody yeah. told me about that. <laughs> I mean, some of the players you played within your, your first spell, Bobby, Derek yeah. Dugan, Dave Wagstaff, the, you know, the barrel-chested Mike Bailey, Jimmy McCalliog. I mean, there's some serious players there, isn't there? Serious, yeah. Great lads. You know, we, 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 had, we had a great squad, you know. Uh, we, we really, really got... We, we really got to know each other. We got into the depth and... I, I'm not sure if you look around, it, look through the the, the the games that we were playing at the beginning of this, the one seat, the second, this the season I was there yeah. um, at Molyneux, and we were having a torrid time, a torrid time, and, and we went to Oxford, we got beat by Oxford in the League Cup, and Bill McGarry called an emergency meeting on the on the on the Thursday on the Thursday morning, so we all had to go in for, for this emergency. Uh, meeting and he, he got he let fly at us. He gave us a stick and everything else, and it was all coming to an end. And Jimmy McCallion put his hand up and he's got his action. He says, Gaffer, he says, he says the reason we're not playing well is we you, you've stopped tea, jam, and toast, Gaffer. He says you've stopped us having it and everything. And he looked at me and all the lads took you know they think oh no there's going to be an explosion. Yeah. And McGarry, yeah. McGarry turned around and says you can have as much bloody tea, toast, and uh, 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 to yeah. tea, toast, and, uh, and jam yeah. as long as you want. And Brilliant. he said, 
And then he said, we went on a run of 24 games unbeaten. Wow. <laughs> Brilliant. All, all, not down to football, all down to tea, jam and toast. Now, yeah, yeah. If you ever speak to Jimmy Mack, you ask him. Oh, hey, I will. We've had Jimmy Mack on, and what a lovely, lovely bloke he is, by the way. Um, but I believe you had uh, a nickname for Bill McGarry. I think it was called uh, the Louisville Lip. Yeah, it was. I, I had one. I had one session. Me and Duke, we played against Ever, Everton in a cup in a, in a league game, and it was really cold, and we, it was nil nil at half time. And, Anyway, we came in the dressing room and, and, and McGarry came bouncing into the dressing room. And me and Dougal, like, he was nine and I was ten. Or, and we sat down and all of a sudden he got his index fingers out and his right hand and left hand. They were about three three inches from our nose. He says, you two, you two. He says, if I'd have had a radio machine, he says, I wouldn't have got a bleep out of you two. Not a bleep. He turned tail and walked, walked out of the dressing room. And me and Duke had just looked at each other. We burst out laughing. i got to say that. And all the lads were blaming us and everything. Mickey Bailey was saying, it's your fault, your fault. Anyway, we went out second half. We came in. We won 3-0. I'd laid two on for me. I'd laid two on for Duke. And yeah. my galley comes running back in again. He says, you two, you two. That's motivation. Thanks very much. Turn tail and went out again. Brilliant. Absolutely. <laughs> And what, 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 what's, what's lovely as well, Bobby, is um, obviously you was a Coventry fan growing up, I believe, but when, when Coventry were away or, or weren't playing, you, you would actually go and watch Wolves, wouldn't you, and stand on the South Bank? Yeah, at Coventry there was um, uh, Paul Meadow where all the coaches and all the bus, buses ended their journey, you know, from coming to the outskirts of Coventry and everything. And we had the Red House Motors and they used to go to Leicester if Leicester were playing at home or Birmingham or Aston Villa. I, I fell in love with uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, and yeah, I used wow. to get, and I used to get follow them, and, um, I, and it was in the late, late 1958, 59, and around, in and around there. And I, every other Saturday when Coventry weren't played, I used to travel across, and my mum and dad used to give me like a shilling or, or a couple of sixpences to to have some food and get out and. Uh, Go and see football, you know, and I, I, just, I, I just love being at Wolves, and, and nobody really, really realised, and I never realised in my in my latter, you know, until I went to to back to the South End, and I, I could see where I was standing and everything else, and, wow. and Stan, Stan College was the manager, and lo and behold, they 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 won the championships two years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. I mean, for you, it must be really weird then, then playing on the pitch, and and like you said almost pointing where you were standing in the South Bank. It's, you know, and, and, and you're actually on the pitch now. It must have been a great feeling, Bobby. Oh, yeah. You know, it's the same as Highfield Road and, uh, you know, like Highfield Road and Coventry. You know, I used to go up there with my mate Terry Clark. And my life has been football, but, you know, the, the gratitude I owe to my mum and dad, you know, and the shilling or half a crown, you know, people, you wouldn't realise how much money that was, you know, in those days. And, like, my mum used to work on, uh, on a pinch here from from 6 o'clock till 10 o'clock. My dad used to drive great big um, army cars all the way up to London, uh, Scotland and then come back and uh, hitchhike a lift and everything. And people, you know, we, we're going through rough times at the moment, but, you know, we got, you know, in those days we used to stick together and I, I, I just loved football and that's what's given me the opportunity to, to be where I am today, Jason. Wow. I'll say that. And, and, and you know what, Bobby? What a great career you've had. Now, it obviously, I say this tongue in cheek, it all started going downhill then because you crossed the divide. I can't believe you did this. You had a great season at Wolves, 18 goals, which is a fantastic return on our £55,000. We then sold you for a profit, 
£66,666. Why that figure, I don't know. To our neighbours up the road, West Bromwich Albion, uh, where you linked up with Don Howe. And I know you worked with him later in your career. And I know you've got, you know, fortunately Don's passed away. And I know, he, you know, he was very influential for you and a great friend of yours. Wolverhampton born as well. But what was it like to cross the divide and, and, and play for West Brom? It was very strange. Uh, it, it, re yeah, it was really, really strange. The only beautiful thing was that, like, having from Sutton Coldfield to Wolverhampton, uh, I shortened my journey down to the <laughs> old. <laughs> I, I shortened my journey just across the road, you know, and it was it was something that I felt was right for me, you know. The, I could see John Richards coming through, the Duke was coming through, there was some, you know, the, the, Peter, Alan Sunderland, and I've got my scrapbooks in front of me, and, and, and I just recognised Sunday, you know, on the front row, and this one picture uh, that Bill McGarry had, Jason, was 41 players, there's wow. 41 players in this picture, and it, do you know what the staff was, they only had five staff, Sammy Jung, you know, and, uh, and the, the physio, Anderson, from the... Scandinavia. There was five staff, and Bill McGarry. He he, he managed all of it. He was he was a great great manager. Yeah. But I just felt it was right, you know, that if I was going to be pressurised by Richards and by Sunderland, you might as well go somewhere and cop another five percent puff. <laughs> and, that, and that's the top and bottom of it. I mean, so you got another five percent of sixty six thousand six hundred and sixty six, which was. Um, you know, but you also very importantly linked up with Don Howe, didn't you? And I know you had a great relationship with Don Howe throughout yeah, but, the career. Yeah, but the, yeah, but the strangest thing was Bill McGarry had me in it. So he said, "Look, Don Howe wants you to go over there now." And I said, "Okay, oh, well, I'll drive over." So I was going from Molyneux over to Hawthorns. So I walked into the office and Don, I said, "Don, I says I've got to ask you one question." I says, "Why was it that you and Bertie Mee sold me to uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers?" Um, uh, you know, and I says, you sold me, you sold me there. I says, you didn't fancy me. He says, no, Bobby he says, but you're brilliant in the dressing room. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> I said, don't win. I said, son, son, the dressing room. I says, are you going to pick me on a Saturday? Yeah, That's exactly that. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Then after, after West Brom, um, it was Bristol City for a season. Um, yeah. Which once again, you know, everywhere you've gone, Bobby, you have you have scored goals, and, and I know you. I believe you, you you live in Bristol now. Is that right, Bobby? Or am I wrong? We moved down in uh, yeah when when I left West Brom, we came to live in a, in a little village called Porter's Head, and it was right by the Seven Estuary. Yeah. And I, I, I went walking in, in, into an estate agent in Park Street in, Cov in, in Lamington, in Bristol, sorry. And I said, uh, what's that house there? They said, oh, it overlooks the uh, Seven Estuary. So I drove out to this, this little village. Well, it, it was a village. And uh, I, I, I saw this house and it was an upside down house where the lounge and the kitchen and the dining room were upstairs yeah. to observe the view across to um, across the Chepstow and Newport. And I, I phoned the wife and I said, and it wasn't it wasn't like a mobile phone then, James. I had to get to the phone box. I said, what? she says, what are you phoning up for? I says, I'm signed. She says, oh, that's right. And I says, I'm just I'm just buying a house. She says, what? You're buying a house. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so anyway, so that was it. We, we came to live in a place called Sunderland. My two sons, Jonathan and, and Richard, came, and, and we were very... It's a, it's a lovely place. It, it really, really is. And I, you know, just passing on very quickly, I came back to live here in 1981, and we, we, we called the house Evermore after that, so Jason. Oh, lovely. And, and that's where we are today. We're in Evermore in Portishead. Oh, absolutely. That's lovely. Um, now, you, you then... <laughs> You then went back to London uh, in a in a in a move to West Ham uh, between 1973 and 1975, and and what's quite uh, what's quite sad is uh, well, West Ham got to the FA Cup final and you were sadly the twelfth man, the unused sub. I mean, h- how difficult is that, Bobby? Um, looking back now, um, I played in the semi-final again um, at uh, Aston Villa yeah. against against Ipswich. And I was awful. I, I, I was awful. Right. I, I didn't play through the middle at the time. I had to play wide right or wide left. And John John Lyle and, and Ron Greenwood were, were in charge. It was um, John Lyle's opportunity. And he came up to me and said, Gordy, he says, you, you report. I said, don't have to tell me, John. I said, he says, I'm going to leave you out. Uh, 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 I'm going to pick you up. You pick you up for the replay against Ipswich. I play, played against him against, um, play, played in the team. <coughs> Stamford Bridge, yeah, uh, and Alan, uh, we, we we won. We we scored a couple of goals, and I, I didn't play. And then, well, unfortunately, I I was in a situation where I I was be I wasn't playing at my best, and John Law wasn't picking me, and I have to accept that. And uh, and then we were in a position of getting to Wembley. I was being number twelve, with with two nil up against uh, Fulham. And Alan Taylor, a, a lad from up the north who came from nowhere, Rochdale, he scored two goals at Wembley and he, we were great mates and everything. And all of a sudden, we're 2-0 up. I'm sat behind John Lyle and Rob Greenwood and I have the biggest bout of coughing you can ever imagine. Oh. <laughs> I was cough, 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 cough. And the two two gentlemen, they weren't gentlemen, really gentlemen, they wouldn't turn round, Chase. I just wanted them to turn around and say, "Will you give me five minutes, please?" <laughs> <laughs> and you, oh yeah, I, I get it now. Sorry, I, I'm a bit slow on the uptake. So he was coughing to the turnaround. Had a look. Come on. Oh, I mean, Bobby, listen. You know, in a in a in an FA Cup final situation, look, you don't want a teammate to get injured. You don't, but that is one of the biggest stages in domestic football. So for you and the career you'd had, it would have been great just to get on for one minute, wouldn't it? You know, it would have oh been... yeah, yeah, just, even just a minute. You know, because you you know we haven't included Arsenal against um, Swindon Town, and we're one nil down and. And lo and behold, a dream, a dream comes to through. I challenge, chase a long ball from Georgie Graham. The ball's kicked about Peter Span, by Peter Downsborough, the goalkeeper. It ricochets in the air, and I'm running into the penalty box at the south end. The goal, yeah. and I, I just then edit into an empty goal, and, and that was it. We were one one but unfortunately we uh, we got beat 3-1 and, and but I'd scored at Wembley you know there's one of those dreams and it, wow. it come through I go back to 1953 when uh, when Blackpool beat Bolton and that was my first opportunity to watch an FA Cup game I'll never forget it with Stanley Matthews and Stanley yeah. Mortensen you know I, the, the memories are flooding back and to think that you'd scored at Wembley and all these people you know you, you try to copy them and emulate yeah. them in the, in the back garden and everything and you know it, it, it happened my dreams my dreams came true wow wow then you couldn't keep away from the place <laughs> in 1975 you re-signed for Wolves Bill McGarry 
obviously one to be back. Um, I mean, from your point of view, you know, a twofold question really. Was you surprised that, that Wolves are coming for you again? Um, and sadly, that season ended in relegation. So how disappointing was it? No, no it wasn't because uh, Mick Bailey phoned me up. He says, Goldie, he says uh, they're, they're going to tap you up. <laughs> so you already knew. <laughs> when I was at West Ham, and I was having to commute at the time. It was a, a, a time in history of um, life in in Great Britain when when the market fell out of the house. Uh, yeah, the market fell all about with houses, and we couldn't afford to move from Bristol up to up to L London and yeah. everything else. So I said to my wife, I said, "Well, Wolverhampton's closer than." Yes. I think I think we'll have a little try 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 there. So we did. They actually paid twenty five thousand pounds, and I was transferred on the fourth of December, nineteen seventy five. Wow! So my first game, my first game was for for Wolves was Leicester City at Filbert Street. We lost two nil, and that was on the sixth of December. So from there on in, you know, we 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 gave it all we had, but we. I, I just don't think we were good enough, you know, to stay up that year. Yeah, I mean, look, some of the players, I mean, John Richards had broke through then. Then we got players such as Steve Daly, you know, the great Kenny Hibbett, Frank Munro. I mean, what were these players like to play with, Bobby? Lovely, lovely people. They really, really were. Frankie, Frankie Mack could do. He could do anything with a with an orange and, and control it and everything else. And also, uh, half a crown. He, he used to flick at half a crown, put, Take the control it on his shoe and flick it back up and catch it in his pocket. There was lads that were lovely lads, lovely, lovely people. And you know, yeah, we got relegated, but by gum, Sam, Sammy Chung had waited long enough to be sat in the seat, and we achieved the next season. Something was 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 fantastic. By Christmas, the next game, next season, we had five players that had all scored ten goals. And, I, and that was, I think that could be history in, in, in Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yeah, that's right, because there was a lot of goals record. coming from midfield, wasn't there? Sorry? There was a lot of goals coming from midfield, Bobby. Oh, yeah, the, but the, 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 the system that Sammy played, you know, and I moved about, I, I went from West Ham, they played me wide right, wide left, and, and I was coming to the latter stages of my career, and I was just happy to be in the first team, you know, but yeah. I love I still love scoring goals, and it was, it was I scored a few that season, I think, there's 10 goals in 11 appearances, 11 appearances, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. wow. And what was your relationship like with Sammy Chung, Bobby? We got Sam, we got on really well. You know, he, he worked, he was very diligent and, and honest below uh, Bill McGarry uh, and the gaffer. I just, love, I just loved Bill McGarry, I really did. Dugan and that, and John Holsgrove, they never loved him on a Wednesday. Because I don't know whether you know the story, Jason, we all had to go uh, golfing on a Wednesday morning. We all rolled up at nine o'clock and Dugan had never bought a set of golf clubs in his life. <laughs> But it, it created a fantastic spirit, and the, yeah. the gaffer—he'd he, he, drive off first and everything. And there was some good golfers around that time. That was the first period. But you know, the, 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 all things that go on at professional football, the lads are happy. They got to be good. They got to be good mates and everything. Yes. And that's what we had in. That's what we had in that in the second room when I was there. And what's refreshing to hear, Bobby, is, is you know, a lot of the players from that era who I've interviewed and spoke to and know, that they, 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 to be honest, they didn't really see, a lot of them didn't see eye to eye with Bill. And, and the good, you know, it's good that you did. 
Yeah, but yeah, you, you know, we we all think we can do the job better than somebody else, you know. <laughs> Don't we? And I, 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 yeah, we all think that, you know. I, and I went into management, and I, I, I learned from experiences and and, and and what people did, that attacking play, and what, what how you treat people, you know. Bill McGarry never did never did me a wrong thing, you know. Don Mc, Don Howe, he he, did, he didn't nearly. I didn't have the right contacts with Alan Dix at Bristol City. I had a lovely relationship with John John Lal and, and Ron Greenwood, yeah. and then Sammy Chunka, and I, I can the, the the names just roll off because they were they they were gentlemen and they were, they were great for themselves and they were great they were great for the team that they managed. Wow, that, that that's lovely to lovely to hear, Bobby. The next season, obviously, there was the relegation. Then we obviously went down to the second division, but we got promotion at the first attempt, seventy six seventy seven. Um, I mean, that that must have been obviously once again a great season. It wasn't for me. I got. I had a blood. I was nearly swore then. <laughs> you can swear, Bobby. No, no, no problem. No, 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 no. My wife wraps my knuckles if I swear. Oh, no, what happened? Oh yeah, yeah. She's yes. I, I, what, what happened? I did a hamstring, and it gave me. Uh, if I went through the records, you wouldn't believe it. I played more reserve games in, in 76, 77 than any for, for first team games. Yeah. And it was down to injury. And if I was honest, it, it, it would. Old age was creeping on me as well, you know. And, and football was changing with different sprinting, different training, and everything yeah. else. And but you know, we, we got there in the end. And I, I, I'm pleased to say that I finished up. Played uh, in the. I played uh, how many get reserve games? I played like fifteen reserve games and one first team game in the last in the last part of the season. But yeah. we got promotion. But we got promotion, and that was the main 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 project. Brilliant. And then after the Wolves, it was Bristol Rovers, then Arlesons in Norway, then then your career come to an end, I believe, at Hereford. Then you went into to management, Bobby. And to be fair. I mean, we we could go on forever about your your management group. It's fantastic. Um, Coventry eighty three to eighty four back there in ninety two ninety three. You know, personally, I remember growing up. Um, how old would I have been? So I'd have been ten when it was the nineteen eighty seven FA Cup final, and we saw that fantastic giant killing, Coventry versus Spurs three two. But the next year, it, it surely was the, the the biggest giant killing act ever. I mean. Tell us the story because obviously Wimbledon, Liverpool, Liverpool were the hands down favourites. Wimbledon were never ever going to win that game. You'd put this crazy game together and and manage to you know defeat the odds and, and beat Liverpool. What a time that must have been! Yeah, but it started a year before that. To be perfectly honest, Radio BBC te- um, Radio invited me to be the uh, the commentator with uh, Tottenham versus. Um, Coventry because Coventry was my home team yeah. and out of those the 11 players I had actually signed seven of them from my past record of, of being a manager at Coventry oh, okay I signed, I'd signed seven players for them and they all play, they all played that day Cyril Regis had signed for a quarter of a million and, and you know I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy Trevor Peake the centre half one of the best underrated centre backs I ever had the opportunity of working with and 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 lo and behold there's a fellow called Don Howe sat the other side giving <laughs> the general they're giving giving the general uh, commentary and everything else and uh, and uh, then like 365 days later the pair of us were walking out of Wembley uh, him him as my coach and me as manager and it was it was it was just incredible 
incredulous. That was the only word I could use. It was incredulous what we'd achieved, really. Um, I when I went to Wimbledon, Dave Bassett took all his staff to to Watford. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't have a mem. I, I didn't have any 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 staff other than like a gentleman called Ron Stewart, who was a gentleman that played for Blackpool with Stanley Matthews in that 1953. And my the history of people and that goes back many many times in many people's lives. And I, and then Don Howard got the sack from England, and I thought, I wonder what it's like when you ask uh, Miss World to to dance with you, you know. So I turned that round to say, I wonder what it would be like for Don Howe to come to Wimbledon. Would it be sacrilege, I thought. Yeah. Anyway, I phoned him up. I said, Don, uh, what are you doing? And his wife, Pauline, answered the phone. She said, he's, oh, he's, he's, he's just muttering about it. I said, well, I've got something for him, Pauline. So Pauline answered me. I said, would you like to come and be with me at Wimbledon for a month? I'm going, going abroad to Sweden. I said, I've got nobody to help me. He says, yeah, we'll try it, Goldie. And 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 he, he came in. He came in, and he was brilliant. The lads loved him. They couldn't believe that Don Howe would come to Wimbledon. Wow. So we went to Sweden, and we went to Sweden on pre-season, and we uh, we went into a meeting. And we had the flip chart. Don stood one side, and I stood the other. And all of a sudden, Dave uh, Dave Besson. Laurie Sanchez, Alan Cork, all stood, said, sat, uh, said, stood up and said, excuse us, this is the way we play. And we sat down, Don Howard, <laughs> Don Howard, uh, and me sat down, and the three of them got up, and we have to get the ball into our attacking half 72, 72 times in, in 90 minutes. We have to get 44 crosses in, in in 90 minutes, 22 in the first half and 22 in the second half. And if Carlton Fairweather and Dennis Wise don't achieve that, then they're back in for training on Sunday morning. Wow! And this was this was our description of how Wimbledon played. And Don looked at me, and I looked at him, and he said, "Sorry, Goldie," he said, "We ain't going to change it." And, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so, so that was it. We we we, we emulated what well, the Corks and the Sanchez's and and, and the Bessons because they'd been there, they'd been there all the time, Jason. You yeah. see, and <laughs> and to underrate. What they'd achieved was was incredible, uh, incredible, and you know we went on to to win, to win the FA Cup, you know, and it, it was fantastic. Right. I, and I put it down to Don as well, you know, as well as you, your manager. I, I was the manager, and he was a coach, and he came in on Saturday morning. Not many people know that. He came in on Friday morning. He'd been to a, a, a luncheon, and we we trained at three o'clock in the afternoon till five o'clock. At the same time, we would be playing the next day. And, and Don said, look, Gordy, he says, we've got Dennis Wise playing outside left. We've got John, um, we've got uh, Corky playing outside right. And they've got the, the best left wing at, at that time. I says, we've got to nullify him. So we changed the two, to change the two wingers. And we nullified Liverpool getting the ball out wide left. And that's what won us the game top. Wow, and I bet when that when that whistle went, it must be such an. I mean, especially as the disappointment of of being the unused sub at West Ham, or, or you know, although you won the game, it must have been such. A, you know, it was a historic moment, and I can remember it to this day. Okay, uh, yeah, it, it, it was the, the lovely. The loveliest thing was was Bob Bob, Bob Wilson, my mucker was up in the gantry right with BBC you know and I took it I, I if you ever see ever see any pictures I I had the base I had the base of the FA Cup yeah. nobody 
nobody was going to take that away from me because it had all the winners, all the winners' names on it. And it, I actually slept with it one night as well. Wow. James, but that's, that's another story. But, you know, I, I could signal to Bob, who was up in the gantry. I got hold of the lads, and we were on the halfway line. I said, look, lads, I said, we're going to go all the way round, three quarters of the way round um, Wembley. You're going to get to the... You're going to get to the entrance in and out off the pitch i says now you have to make that the longest walk in your life the yeah, longest yeah. walk in your life because you ain't coming back <laughs> and that's true <laughs> yeah and that, and that yeah but that's what happened you know and, and that's what i remember i've got pictures i got pictures James, of, of me running with alan taylor and uh, every all the all, all the players and, and billy bonds and trevor brookin they and I, they said goldie it's as though you played i said bonzo i says it's i've never played i said but i you ain't taking this away from me pal you are not taking this away and that's that's the love the love of the game and what it does for you and that's what happened against liverpool we changed on a friday afternoon and lo and behold what did dennis wise and alan cork and dave besson do at, at six o'clock i was shouting them three bastards excuse me i say <laughs> shouting, get in here we're going out to have as pretty much uh, and and they, they were still taking practice in penalties. Really? I mean, yeah. to, to be fair to Dave Bessant, it was a good job because obviously John Aldridge took the penalty and it was a hell of a save, wasn't it? I mean, once again... That's... Yeah, but, but they knew. He'd know. He knew he was going left. He knew he was going left. And wow. that's how he saved the game. That's that's how he saved it. And they practised that for hours. Wow. And it's like last, last night watching watching the Wolves penalty. Oh, it's sickening me to be oh, perfectly yeah. honest. Yeah, you know, it's the right height. And it's a, you, you've got to make sure when you're t taking penalties or when you're saving, you've got to know your information. You've yes. got to know what you're doing. And if you're a manager or coach, a penalty taker, or whatever, you, a goalkeeper, you've got to know. And that's the basis of any good base for anybody to pick yes. themselves on well, if you're going to score penalties. Well, what's, what's also very interesting, Bobby, obviously you as a goal scorer and you rattled the net all your career, your son Jonathan actually become a professional goalkeeper and he had a great career. Oh. Yeah, but the, what people... What people don't what people don't know was that he actually played as a fullback for Bristol Rovers reserves. Yeah. All right. Okay. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. No. No. Nobody. No, nobody knows it much. Anyway, I said to I said to him, I said, "You're in a situation, my son, that you're not going to be a good runner." And at that time, it was about the game of football was about athletes, like with John Scales that I, I purchased from Leeds United when I was at Bristol Rovers. And it was about athleticism. Yes. It was about Terry Phelan. It was about Eric Young. It was about Keith Curl. It was about Roger Joseph. And all these names, you know, pace. It was about pace. I said to Jonathan, I said, you've got great ball hand relationship. I said, we'll convert you into a goalkeeper. And that's what we did as a father and son. And uh, it went on to have a wonderful, wonderful career with with, with Celtic and Scotland and everything else. Yeah, and so. he certainly did. He certainly did. And and for you, Bobby, obviously management. You know, you was like I said, a great career in management. I, I suppose one of the highlights was you know you, you never got an international cap, and you, you stated that earlier. But to manage Wales uh, for what I believe between ninety five and ninety nine. I mean, that must have been once again with 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 great pride. Um. To be honest and truthful, uh, I made the wrong I made the wrong decision. Okay. I never played at international level. Right. And to manage a team, 
Yeah. You have to have experienced what the players experience. That's a fair comment. And I didn't have that experience. I didn't have the knowledge. Um, I actually went to try and get Tom, Don how to help me um, to, to be coach and do all the coaching and I'd do the managing. Um, but it, I never, I never, uh, I didn't achieve what I, I wanted to achieve yeah. and that was because of my lack of knowledge. And uh, to this day, uh, my record, my winning record, it, it stands up there with them. It stands up there with them. Yeah. But the actual um, ability to manage an international side, I was not good enough for. To be honest, Bobby, that's a very, very, um, you know, you've been very honest in, in you know, uh, in, in your assessment of that. Um, but you have been involved in football for over 50 years. You've You've been married... For 53 years, I mean, what is the secret, Bobby? Because I'm speaking to you now like you're an 18-year-old man. You've still got so much enthusiasm. And every picture I've ever seen of you, I always do a lot of research for my interviews, as you can see. Every picture I've seen of you, you're always smiling. I follow you on Instagram. You're always smiling. You're still running around the garden playing football. What's the secret? It's, it's a love of life. Um, when you're 15 and you're... Dad is driving you from Coventry to Hinkley um, in a Humber Cobber van. Um, you end up in dri being driven into um, a, a small hedge with a little bit of water running through it, and your dad turning around to you and saying, "Bob, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going blind." And you think to yourself, "And I get very emotional." Okay. Um, about my dad not driving yeah not being able to see me play professional football and the period i hated most in my life was like in a humber scepter driving from highbury to new barnet and a blind person sitting next to me says how did you miss that chance in the 19th minute and that was my dad and and and, and all of a sudden like you say to yourself well life is here to be enjoyed you know what we're yeah. going through at the moment We've, you've got to make the best of it. You've got to make sure that you, 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 you're conscious of what, where you're going and what you're trying to achieve and everything else. And that's what, that's why I, lo I love life. Wow. I love life. And, and hey, Bobby, you've had a fantastic life. And also, you, you've been very lucky in, like you mentioned, uh, Marge, your, your beautiful wife, who you've been married to for 53 years. I mean, look, behind every good man, there's, there's obviously a, a great woman. And, you know, your career, Bobby, Coventry, Arsenal, Wolves, you know, you moved all over the country, then Arlesons, Norway, you're all over the world, then you manage Wales. And it does take a strong relationship and a strong person to, to go on that journey with you, doesn't it? Have you seen a word wardrobe? <laughs> That'll explain it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, with all them signing on fees, Bobby. If she says, oh, this is nice... I said, yeah, it is. And the only, the only thing I keep doing, helping my wife, is that all the time she buys all these new, new clothes and everything, I have to take the, I have to take the, 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 the amount it is off, off, off the cardboard that's uh, attached to the dress or the sweater and everything. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and, and Bobby, listen, you have had an unbelievable career. You don't need me to tell you. But if, if there's, the, throughout your whole career, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot now, throughout your whole career as a player, as a manager, 
if there's one memory you always look back on, I mean, I'm sure you've got thousands, but if there's one memory you always look back on and it makes you smile, what, what what's that memory, Bobby? Um, oh, cool. It's a great question. <laughs> it, 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 it really, really is. A, um, I think the, the, the loveliest thing is that Marge, Jonathan and Richard and myself, we're four mates and we've enjoyed the period of what we've done as a family and then to see the family grow wow. and to see that family grow is is phenomenal and yeah yeah i've got, I've got to say I, I i earned a lot of money and you deserved uh, it by the way yeah 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 but it's 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 using it correctly as well yes. you know and, and making sure that you know, we we are a family, and if if there's anybody you know having a problem, I always run back to that humber cob going in that little ditch and everything else, and think this is a family item, and this is what we have to identify as a family. Wow, and and Bobby, that that just puts everything into perspective, on on you know that that family obviously it's always more important than football. Bobby, I must say. I've done some interviews. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that one. Um, you, you know, you, you kept referring to people in your life as gentlemen. Bobby, after interviewing you, there's no greater gentleman than yourself. Thank you for representing our club on, on two occasions. Thank you for taking the time to do this interview today. And it's been an absolute pleasure in speaking to you. I hope the listeners get as much pleasure that you have had and I have had. Um, in, in listening to this podcast because I don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> I'll send you the link, Bobby, and uh, you, you, you'll have to work it out. <laughs> Brilliant, Bobby. God bless. Cheers, thank you. <laughs>